What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Joe Volpe, the fantasy football analyst. What's going on, brother? Not much. A lot of free agency shit. Oh, my God, dude. There's so much stuff to go over. It's so much. It's it's really a lot. And, like, we have to have conversations before this podcast to see, like, how we can fit everything into one podcast. But I think we can do it. I think we have a plan. Uh, And I'm hoping that we don't have to put all the listeners through two hours uh, of free agency talk. So we're going to do our best here. Um, And I appreciate you going solo last week uh, with the tight end episode. You did a great job holding it down. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I hope everything's well with you, but yeah, I had some fun last week. I I didn't mention Joe Mixon. I kept that part out just for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought you did mention Joe Mixon. I thought the whole podcast was going to be a Joe Mixon (laughs) podcast. I don't know. I didn't listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i really thought it was gonna be a whole as soon as you said joe mixon i was like uh-oh uh-oh here we go he's like skipping <laughs> through here's joe mixon, joe mixon. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I all the chapters will be named joe mixon chapter one two and three um but and by the way guys if you listen to this podcast uh now that we mentioned it and if you if you're not aware i usually break down every podcast and i kind of put timestamps uh in your podcast app i know apple podcast supports this mm-hmm. uh you know where you can you know, put in chapters, which is basically like timestamps. And you can kind of click those timestamps and you can go directly to, you know, a player, for example, that, you know, that uh, I bookmarked. And you can go directly to that situation if that's, you know, what you're interested in without listening to the entire podcast. Um, but yeah, man, we got a lot to get over, go over uh, for this podcast. We're going over all the freedom situations, you know, even guys who were released and, you know, all basically Anything that happened this week, it was a lot going on, a lot of transactions. Um, yeah. So and let's just get right. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, you, you, if you guys heard that noise, that Twitter notification, you might be hearing those a couple times during the uh, length of this episode, just because we are still in free agency. It's still at the time of recording this, Kenny Galladay is not on a team. Chris Carson is not on a team. Leonard Fournette is not on a team. Juju Smith is not on a team. So just uh, if you hear any noises like that, just now it might be breaking news in the middle of the episode, which I think would be cool. Yes. So let's start with the guys who were franchise tagged. Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, and we just got a notification and that might have been that might have been what you yep, just got. That's exactly what I got. Allen Robinson <laughs> accepted his. Yep. Allen Robinson accepted his franchise tag. Um, and, and that's the effect that someone like Andy Dalton is going to have on somebody. You know, as soon as Andy Dalton becomes your quarterback, you better sign right away. It was more so Kenny Galladay, I believe. I think Kenny Galladay is what swayed his decision to accept the tag. Oh, is, is that is that is that what it is? I think so. Um, uh, he, he could he could now be traded, though. I think that's what it was, because I think the bears are flirting with the idea of bringing in Kenny Galladay and they've been clearing up a ton of cap space recently. So that's what they people think they're trying but, to do. And oh, okay. with that Robinson says, if he accepts his tag, he can be traded, but he can't be traded until he accepts the tag. Oh, interesting. So I would be very interested to hear if, you know, there's actually a trade on the table with Allen Robinson, which was, which would be amazing. That would just yeah. be amazing. I mean, right now, Allen Robinson is not happy with the bears, Kenny Galladay coming in, he would be happy and they would be potentially paying both of them the same amount of money if they were to come to some sort of agreement with Allen Robinson anyway. Um, but, okay, let's say Allen Robinson stays with the Bears, right? Um, and I was going to say he's going to take as long as possible to sign his franchise tag, but, you know, with him not happy. But So I, Andy Dalton was signed by the Bears. Uh, they apparently told him he was going to be their starter, 
right? And um, obviously, we heard the rumblings about Kenny Galladay. Um, now, at quarterback, this is probably a lateral move, right? And the hope is that Dalton can potentially zero in on Robinson even more, right? If Robinson does stay there, like Trubisky didn't necessarily pepper Robinson with targets, mm-hmm. right? And and Andy Dalton could potentially pepper Robinson with targets, right? Like if Dalton can give Robinson like more than 10 targets a week, that's something that Robinson hasn't had over the past couple seasons. Yeah. And, and I think Dalton's a good enough guy to where Robinson can week to week, just be that wide receiver one that we've been hoping. Um, I, I, I do remember last year that Robinson was better with Trubisky than he was with Foles because Foles had a tendency to go to guys like Darnell Mooney and uh, Anthony Miller. And a lot of the tight ends were involved with uh, Nick Foles there. So yeah, I mean, having Andy Dalton, I think it, it, it's like a, not a lateral move, but maybe just like a slight, like a what's that angle where it's like right here? Maybe like a 15 degree angle? Like a 15, Up- yeah, like a 15 degree angle upward kind of thing, you know, not a straightforward. But yeah, I, I think Andy Dalton as of right now is the starter, but we'll see. I mean, it just takes one draft pick. It takes a Mac Jones. It takes a trading up or something like that. Deshaun Watson with all the speculation and trouble he's getting in right now with uh that so who knows who knows as of right now it's Andy Dalton which for me is a little bit of an upgrade for Robinson uh if that's a situation going into the season when it's Allen Robinson and Andy Dalton then Robinson's gonna be a wide receiver one for me okay now as far as uh Chris Gowan goes this buck situation on offense is pretty much the same as it was right Gronk is back on a one-year deal Chris Gowan's back Mike Evans obviously still there the only difference on offense is that there will likely be another back complimenting Ronald Jones if it's not Leonard Fournette. And if Fournette comes back, this offense is literally, and even defense almost, is almost exactly the same. So yep. uh, it's going to be interesting going into next season. And we talked about this with the Bucks. you know, the second half of the year. They improved a ton, uh, and they really got going, and then they took it all the way to the Super Bowl, obviously. So yep. it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they have any sort of hangover going into next season after keeping all of their pieces. Um so next signing, next major signing, Aaron Jones back to the Packers. Um, Jamal Williams said his goodbye. He goes to the Lions, um, and we'll hit on that in a second. Um, but that leaves that leaves Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in Green Bay. Uh, the Packers they paid Aaron Jones, and and they wouldn't have paid the top running back on the market if they didn't plan on continuing, you know, for him to lead this backfield, right? And I just wanted to state the obvious first, and I didn't think they would have the money to do this. But you know what, man, like sometimes like there's a lot of things you can do with the cat, you know, uh, you know, just because teams, you know, don't seem to have the money, they find ways to get it done through guaranteed money, through spreading things out. Uh, but they got a way to, to, to keep their guy and, and they actually paid a running back even after drafting A.J. Dillon last year so early. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of speaks to the role that A.J. Dillon could have next year as well, because imagine if Aaron Jones gets hurt. And there's no Jamal Williams there. And they don't bring in anyone else from this point. So, yeah, Aaron Jones himself is a shoe in to be a top 10 running back this upcoming season. Uh, Jamal, we were both on the page of, okay, Aaron Jones is probably going to walk. Jamal Williams will stay. It'll be a committee between Williams and Dylan. But it's going to end up being committee between Jones and Dylan. So, um, for those people who traded for A.J. Dylan, tried to buy him in anticipation of him being some type of workhorse, I don't think this is the worst, worst case scenario. 
Because honestly, like being the one B or being like the RB two in the Matt LaFleur system being drafted by Matt LaFleur, I think Dylan's still going to have his weeks. And I think we're still going to see um, from time to time, Dylan put up respectable games. So uh, yeah, rather than this backfield being split between Williams, Jones, and Dylan, or Dylan splitting the one B work with Jamal Williams. I mean, I'm getting all my names confused. Dylan splitting the one B work with Jamal Williams. Okay. That's how you make a sentence. Uh, it's just going to be Dylan. So I, I think there's still value to be had there. I think he's going to be a late round sleeper for me, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's worth grabbing. Like he's going to be somebody who I think will drop a lot in drafts. Obviously people were drafting him high or, or were planning on drafting him high. You know, if, if uh, Aaron Jones were to walk. Right. Um, yeah. But you know, this move for me, it kind of increases the value for Aaron Jones a little bit, right? So Aaron Jones was playing 50 to 60% of snaps, right? Um, But he actually had some of the most concentrated volume per snap. It's possible that we actually see a slight bump only because the guy who was complimenting Jones, Jamal Williams, was running a lot of routes, right? Uh, And, and, you know, it's like, is A.J. Dillon going to take all of those routes away? I'm not sure. So Jamal Williams was running about 10 to 20 routes per game. You know, it would be anywhere from like, you know, 12 routes, one game, 17 routes, another game. And I'm not sure that those routes will go from Jamal Williams to AJ Dillon. And, and if you're curious, Aaron Jones was running 15 to 25 routes per game. Um, and it's possible that because of this move, Jones ends up running more routes, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, kind of taking over what Williams was doing. And it's also possible that his snaps go up because of that. So like maybe 65% or so, which for me, like, I'll be very happy with, right? Especially when, when it comes to, like, the free Aaron, Aaron Jones movement, right? Um, so, I'm con- like you said, like, I'm continuing to view him as a solid RB1. And, like, his upside is, like, top three, right? Because mm-hmm. he's always going to have that upside on that offense um, if he continues to get the type of touches that he's getting. One thing I will add on that is that James White, as of right now, has not been signed. And I've seen a lot of buzz about um, White potentially going to the Packers, and that being a mutual interest for both sides. And I'm not like a beat reporter. I'm not an insider by any means. But uh, a lot of people had James White mocked going to the Packers. And uh, I believe I saw a couple of reports that he was interested in signing there. So just something to look out on, because if we are talking about who's going to take those receiving snaps, it could be a guy like White. So uh, if, but if, you know, they go into the season with Jones and Dylan, then a hundred percent Aaron Jones, I definitely see him uh, taking a bump up on those things. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's funny, like you, you think about AJ Dylan and you're like, okay, can you take some goal line snaps away? Right. And, and sure. Like, you know, that's what I thought might've happened. Might, yeah. might've happened last year, but Jones has shown that he can get into the end zone, right? Like that's his thing. He gets touchdowns. So, um, and he was still like, he was still, he Jones was given all the important snaps last year. AJ Dillon had zero carries inside the five last year. He had four carries all year in the red zone. Um, and Aaron Jones had 39 carries in the red zone last year. And Jamal Williams had 24 carries in the red zone. So, you know, and like you said, like if Jones were to ever get hurt though, like AJ Dillon's going to like be, I think he's going to be a beast if yeah, that were to ever absolutely. happen. Okay, moving on. Uh, one of the most exciting things for me that, that happened in day one was Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, yes. going to Was- going to Best Washington. Best case scenario for every single person involved. I mean, Seriously, if you think about a free agent quarterback that Washington football team could have brought in, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy if you want Terry to have a good season. And then Curtis Samuel as well, just the icing on top. The perfect compliment to a guy like Terry who can stay in the slot. Oh, my gosh, dude. It's it's so perfect how that worked out. I just hope they don't take another level and add Galladay on the other side of that. They don't really have the money for that. <laughs> but like, I, I really don't think it's necessary, man. Like, I, it's like Terry McLaurin is an alpha wide receiver one. And, like, I hope it continues that way. And that's why we're so excited about life, uh, about life as Joe, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> um, like, so I think the overall winner of this entire thing is, is Terry McLaurin, right? Yeah. Um, this instantly makes his, like his absolute ceiling at, at arm's reach. I think it's like, he's like right there. Right. Um, so before Fitzpatrick was signed, right. McLaurin was going to be a top 15 to 20 wide receiver, no matter mm-hmm. what, I, like that was his floor. Right. But this makes him so much more intriguing, right? Like, if you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's past, he's peppering his primary wide receiver. Like, every time. Like, whenever he has his primary wide receiver, he's peppering that dude with targets, right? Like, look at – who was it that year? Brandon Marshall. Like, remember Brandon Marshall had, like, 180 targets at, like, 33 years old? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was, right? Um, so Even him and Decker and, that one year, which goes yeah. to show that – you know, there's room for a guy like Samuel. Still room for a guy like uh, for Logan Thomas to be here. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 not only that, like not only does he give them a bunch of targets, but he gives them downfield targets, right? He gives them those high value targets. Um, like he he lets them get those con- contested grabs, right? All of that. And Adam Schefter did report that he's heading to camp as the presumed starter, while you know Taylor Heineke is going to compete. So. Uh, and his contract indicates that as well. So uh, it's possible that they draft the quarterback um, and, and that might, we might see some issues there, like with respect to that, like Fitzpatrick had to deal with that a little bit last year for sure. Um, and even with Curtis Samuel there, I think McLaurin is going to be a wide receiver one this year easily, as long as Fitzpatrick gets like 12 starts, right? Like something yeah. like that, or even 10 starts, right? Um, now, as far as Curtis Samuel goes, like, what do you think of him like alongside McLaurin and being back with Scott Turner and Ron Rivera. Like, this is going to be a nice duo no matter what from an NFL perspective, but, like, from a fantasy perspective, like, 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 what do you think of him uh, in this situation? So there is still Logan Thomas there, who I'm a huge fan of, who the team is a huge fan of, and they loved his usage last year. Um, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think Curtis Samuel's a late-round sleeper. I think he has that wider, like good wide receiver three value potential wide receiver two value if he hits the ceiling um my expectations aren't crazy high but you think of a lot of other places samuel kind of went like new england what is that really going to look like right now jacksonville okay but what's his role in that offense like at least in washington we know he's going to be the starting slot wide receiver he's going to be the wide receiver two there and that's you know that's still good enough for a guy like fitzpatrick who can throw the ball a ton if he needs to so yeah i mean Samuel, I'd classify him as a wide receiver three, probably like seventh, eighth, ninth round value. Um, Or uh, I'm just in the back of my head, not in the back of my head, but right here on Twitter, there's a whole bunch of stuff about potential Allen Robinson being traded to the Ravens uh, for Orlando Brown and some other picks in between. So that's just the situation I'm staring at right now. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to Samuel, see, I'm I, I'm hoping that so, you know, Fitzpatrick is an improvement for Curtis Samuel, no doubt, right? Like he at least he'll have a Absolutely. good quarterback throwing him the ball. The thing, the, the thing is, 
I'm hoping that they mix it up a little bit in terms of Samuel's usage because sure. Sam, Samuel is more than a deep receiver, right? And this is this is how Scott Turner and Ron Rivera were using him in Carolina. And if they had a quarterback who can hit him deep accurately, which they didn't have, a lot could have worked out better, right? And And they didn't have that when Samuel was separating the way that he was. And we've seen a lot of tape on that, right? Now, like, and I, I, like, when you said that he can easily be a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside, like, I'm with you on that. Um, And I'm a big fan of Curtis Samuel. But I don't think I'm going to be as bullish on him, like, in drafts um, because of possible instability uh, at the quarterback position. And, and, And the fact that he is the clear second fiddle on this offense, right? I think it's a, like I said, it's a better real life football move than a fantasy move. Um, like if he's in the sixth or seventh round, like I probably won't be going there. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe yeah. I'll be completely off. And if he's going later, then maybe sure. Um, because yeah, Fitzpatrick probably like, like between seven and nine, you know? Yeah. Something like that. And even seventh round, I feel like I, I can get better value, but like, the thing is like Fitzpatrick, right? Like if he's benched for a potential rookie, for example, right. That they draft, if he starts throwing picks and Taylor Heineke is like right there. Right. Um, then I know McLaurin can be fine because he's proven that he yep. can be good with bad quarterbacks, but Curtis Samuel can just disappear. Right. Because this number two might just totally disappear. And, and that's, that's a concern that I have. So I might not invest heavily. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, last year with Joe Brady, they used him really well. They used yeah. him in the slot. They used him in the backfield. They used him outside. They had him running deep, intermediate, everything. He's so versatile. And we saw how Urban Meyer used him. That's how they used him, like kind of. But Scott Scott Turner didn't really use him that way in Carolina. So I'm hoping that they kind of switch it up a little bit and, and they use him in that versatile manner. And, and you know, they signed him to a big contract. So they're very they're invested in, in, in using him the right way. And, and that's what I'm hoping for. Um, yeah, okay, but... Ooh. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I just want to add one last thing. Um, sure, sure. JD McKissick saw a ton of targets last year. Yes. And that's a spot to where Curtis Samuel can kind of come in and take those targets. And um, yeah, I, I think there is room for him to be valued. But again, I, I think you're right. That sixth, seventh round might be a little high. I think. But you know, it's also way too early to be talking about ADPs still because we still got the draft. Hundred percent, and and you know, if, if we hear in training camp that Curtis Samuel is like lining up all over the place, he's lining up in the slot. Yep. Like, listen, if I find out that, or if we hear that uh, Curtis Samuel's lining up in the slot um, as a primary slot receiver, I'll be way, I'll be uh, much happier because that means that they're changing how they're using him. Yep. You know how how they've used him in the past. I'll be happy about that. Now, let me ask you this: How about back in Carolina? How are you feeling about DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, with Curtis Samuel gone? Better. Um, because of the way they were used. And I, I think you put out a post, Samuel was averaging like eight targets per game in that last couple yep, of In those last games. eight games. Yep. Last eight games. So uh, definitely more targets available. And um, it does make me feel better about DJ Moore, but it's going to boil down to who's playing quarterback because it doesn't sound like they're sold on Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they're more than likely going to draft someone if they don't land Deshaun Watson. So, um, you know, it, it's a wait and see type situation, but if they get Watson... And they don't add that third like slot guy, or maybe they spend like a later round pick on someone like that. And then you're going to the year with DJ Moore and Robbie, and you have Deshaun Watson, and that just spells like two top twenty, top fifteen wide receivers. And uh... oh hell yeah! I mean, you have to go. You have to go. Uh, 
go after both guys, like for sure. And DJ Moore has a higher ceiling, obviously, if, if you didn't know. Um, and I think I'm buying DJ Moore regardless next year. Yeah. Even Robbie Anderson, I'm probably buying him too because I feel like both of these guys are going to be going low. Like Robbie Anderson was um, consistent in the beginning of the year. Second half of the year wasn't as consistent. Um, but that had a lot to do with Curtis Samuel and the way that he he they bumped up his usage yeah. in that second half. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. But like you said, I think both of these guys are going to benefit uh, going into next season. And I don't think their ADPs are going to reflect what their actual value is. Um, but yeah, we'll, and we'll see what the quarterback situation is like. Okay, moving on. Kenyon Drake today signing with the Raiders. Um, <laughs> dude, this just Thank kills you. Josh Jacobs' value, man. Like Jacobs was already someone who wasn't involved in the past game. Uh, he was coming off the field and passing downs. He was playing only 50% of snaps. And he was coming off the field for guys like Devontae Booker, Jalen Richard, oh, right? God. Even like, there was a there was a chance that theoretic, well, you know, was it was gonna be their passing down guy, right? Now it's Kenyon Drake, who is definitely gonna be getting that passing down work, right? And he's someone who can even he could take away work from Jacobs on early downs as well, right? In like the goal line. Listen, man, is there okay? Let's assume that Josh Jacobs gets all the goal line work, or at least like 75% of the goal line work, sure. right? There's still going to be the weeks where Drake is going to be outscoring Jacobs in PPR leagues. Am I wrong? No, you're not. And it also goes to show that they basically lost their entire offensive line. Like they're starting to get some of the pieces back, but like Gabe Jackson is gone. Um, their center, Rodney Hudson, he's gone. Trent Which Brown traded to the Patriots. I don't understand that at all, dude. What are they doing? I don't either. I, I don't know, but but they brought in Kenyon Drake. So it just, <laughs> I mean, all that together, it's just not a good look for Josh Jacobs. And if they're going to be down in games, which they still don't have a respectable wide receiver, if Henry Ruggs can't develop, I mean, Darren Waller is awesome, but like they don't have a, <laughs> it's a mess. And it just, you just cannot trust Josh Jacobs. Um, if they end up losing in more games, Guess what? Like you said, it's going to be Kenyon Drake. And I believe it's even Rappaport who also uh, shared something like that about like, hey, they have Jacobs there. Well, yeah, Kenyon Drake is going to be viewed as the primary pass catching back. But he has the ability to take goal line work. He has the ability to take early down work. And he can be a workhorse if needed. So this is going to be an ugly backfield. Um, where where would you have Josh Jacobs now? I think we both had him somewhere oh, in the top 20 or just outside the top 20. Now, like almost 30. I mean... I think I might have had Jacobs around like RB18, 19. Yeah, something I like had that. him somewhere right around there. Yeah. Um, now he's going to be outside my top 24. Yeah, no, for sure. I, for me, I'm thinking like close to 30, somewhere in that Whoa. mid-20s, late-20s range. I think he's going to return top 30 value overall just because I think he's going to remain the goal line guy. Um, but like, like, and we're talking cumulative fantasy points here, right? We're not talking yeah. like consistency. Because on a consistency basis, like this is not going to be good for him. He's going to be completely no. touchdown dependent, you know. And um, it's this is going to suck. Like if you have yeah. Josh Jacobs in a dynasty league, this is this sucks. And, and like it just goes to show like how they view Jacobs, right? They're constantly bringing in guys to compliment him. Um, so yeah, but listen, listen, if Drake gets hurt, John Gruden is going to have someone, whether it's Jalen Richard, right, or someone else, taking those passing down snaps. They'll probably sign one of the veterans just waiting for a job. Exactly. Like, I don't think it's going to be Jacobs. Look at all the guys they've signed to be passing down back. Richard, Booker, yeah. Theoretic, right? If Jacobs gets hurt, though, we're looking at a very nice situation for Kenyon Drake, who can get more work on early downs. And unfortunately, their offensive line, like you said, is not in good shape. But, you know, 
Dude, I don't want to get started with that offensive line. I can't <laughs> believe they traded away their center. Like, what? What are they doing? Um, and their best guard. And yeah, no, their left tackle. Yeah, I'm staying away unless it's Drake. <laughs> like, it's Drake later in drafts. Like, in a PPR draft, a little right bit later. But... Yeah, later on in drafts, like, sure, I'll, I'll grab Drake to be, like, my RB4 or something like that. Um, RB5. I, I don't know. Who knows when he'll be going to drafts. We'll see. But I'm not, I'm not touching Josh Jacobs, unfortunately. Okay, another another buzzkill, Jamal Williams <laughs> to the Lions, right? Uh, DeAndre Swift, man, he had the upside of becoming a bell cow back this year. It was all looking so good, uh, and, and that was like him potentially being a bell cow was going to be his saving grace when it came to this mm-hmm. offense because this offense is not going to be good, right? They lost Kenny Galladay, they lost Marvin Jones, they lost their quarterback, and the touches, you know, was pretty much guaranteed for him, and those touches aren't guaranteed at this point. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, Listen, I'm, I'm man, still on him. I'm still on DeAndre the, Swift. Sa- the, in the same spot? Like, he was close to an RB1. Not – he's going to be right outside the running back ones for me. But, like, I still have a lot of faith in him because no wide receivers. Brashad Perryman right now is the wide receiver one, which he would just signed today. And Quintus Cephas, don't forget Quintus that. Cephas. Don't, yeah, don't forget him. Don't, don't forget him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, point being, like – there's still a lot of receiving where to go around. And overall, yeah. I think DeAndre Swift ended up getting like 34% of the snaps. And he was like a running back two, low end running back one at some points during the season. So, right. you know, Adrian Peterson being gone. If DeAndre Swift still plays like 50, 60% of the snaps. And look, Jamal Williams, he was not signed to a huge deal. He got the same contract Devontae Booker did to back up Saquon Barkley. Uh, it was two years, six million. Which, very, which surprised me a lot because I was expecting more for Jamal Williams. But it's not a huge contract. They've that's, been that's, that's what Jamal Williams got? I, I got to fact, fact, fact check you on that Do one. Do it. Do it. Fact check me. What did you say? Do two it. years what? Six million? Two years, six mil. If that's what Jamal Williams got, I'm not worried. But I don't. I, I remember that not being the case. Um, Two-year deal worth up to seven and a half million. Um, oh, I saw which, six, but worth up to six, seven and a half. So probably base six worth up to seven and a half. Exactly. <laughs> and and what's Devontae Booker's? Probably Two years, up six to, mil. Probably up to six. That's what, that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> when they announced these things originally, it's just... Yes, here you go. Ready? Uh, one year, 3.75 with upside to 5.5. For Devontae Booker? Yeah. For one year? Yeah. Well, that's even bigger than Jamal Williams. Oh, never mind. I'm I'm looking at John Brown. Sorry, that's that's <laughs> not even two years max, six million, two million guaranteed. Oh, so yeah, a little less, but still. I mean, he's basically only... making a million a year, Devontae Booker. Yeah. So it's not close. But Jamal Williams basically making three mil a year, which is still sure. a lot lower than we expected. Who who I would put uh, Devontae Booker in like the bottom fifteen percent of running backs in this league. Right, um, and Jamal, I would put Jamal Williams in the in the top fifty percent. Fair, okay. And, and so, like we saw with Jamal Williams last year, like he's a very capable back in all phases of the game. I was a Jamal Williams hater before this past season. I was a hater. You dude. were. You're like I was no, such screw a hater. Aaron Jones, screw Jamal Williams, AJ it's Dillon, all AJ Dillon. <laughs> and like I liked AJ Dillon because of how much I thought Jamal Williams sucked. And like he totally proved me wrong this year. He played really, he played well, man. Um, he did. He did. Okay, so I mean, like, listen, this is what I'm saying. I think Jamal Williams is going to see like ten touches per game behind DeAndre sure. Swift. Okay, that's kind of what I'm thinking. You I know, think Swift um, can still see like fifteen. 
I mean, yeah, or more, right? Like, it depends yeah. how much work these running backs get. And I still think Swift is going to be a viable RB2. This is not a Josh Jacobs situation for me, right? Yeah. Like, and he, he still has upside, right? And I'm just not sure, like, a true breakout is, is in the cards this year, like, unless Jamal Williams gets hurt. You know, like, a breakout as in, like, you know, like, you know, let's say what I thought was going to happen. 1,500 yards of scrimmage or. Yeah. So like, here's what I thought was going to happen, right? Like if I had to put a total number on Swift's like touches, I would say 250. Okay. Um, Maybe 200 rushing attempts, 50 catches, something like that. You know? Okay. Um, Now without a running back as capable of as Jamal Williams, like I was honestly expecting to see closer to like 320 total touches, like 250 rushing attempts and 60 to 70 catches. You know, we're talking we're talking like sixteen game stretch. Yeah. Um, and I was willing to draft Swift in the third round, like ahead of some of these high upset wide receivers if I needed a running back uh in like a twelve team league. But now it's looking more like those wide receivers in the third round. Like I think I'd rather have those upside wide receivers that are going at that at that spot than Swift at this point. Um you know, we'll see where Swift uh, settles. Like, if he's going in the fourth, like, I'm good taking him in the fourth, I think, you know, sure. because of all the touches he's going to get. He's going to be the, the 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 guy. But, you know, I think this is going to be somewhat of a – you know, remember, Dan Campbell's coming from New Orleans. They have a two-back system, you know, and yeah. if they give – like, it, you know, Kamara, like, he he's an anomaly in this uh, Sean Payton world, right? Because Sean Payton was like, okay, cool, I have my – my 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 one A and then I have my pass catching back. Kamara was so good that like they're like all right whatever like I'm just gonna he, this is gonna be my guy. Um, and Latavius Murray could have easily got a lot more work, but he didn't. Even though he's very capable, right? Yeah. Um, it just matters. It just what matters is how good that one A is gonna be. So if DeAndre Swift, you know, you know has a big improvement going from year one to year two, uh, and he shows out in camp, then you know like like I said, that upside is gonna be there. But I do think like you said like he has that RB two baseline. Yeah, and, and I think this definitely lowers his floor and it does lower his ceiling, but I, I still say he still has that top five to ten ceiling if all goes perfectly well. And I'm just saying ceiling-wise, and I'm not expecting him to hit this, but, like, look, if he does become the Camara for this offense, they have no receivers right now. And in the draft, they may not be in position to get a Devontae Smith or um, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or someone like that. So it might just end up being a crappy situation for those wide receivers. Yeah. And there's not really anyone else to add. They don't really have the money to add them. There's no rumors about Juju going there. Kenny Galladay is obviously not returning at this point. So yeah, I, I still think there's a world where if DeAndre Swift can get a good amount of targets, we're talking PPR as we usually do, yeah. he can still be that viable five to 10, especially with injuries and all that. So I, I'm not completely ruling it out, but definitely did lower him in my rankings. I have a question. Sure. Who would you rather have DeAndre Swift or Joe Mixon? Okay, so like they're very close to me, and I think I lean Joe Mixon here. Okay, that's it. I, I think I think I do, and obviously I was taking DeAndre Swift before, like before Joe Mixon. Yeah, before so, I even had DeAndre Swift over Joe Mixon before. Even you? Wow. Yeah. Um, no, I think at this point I'd rather have Joe Mixon uh, because awesome. I think it's going to be a better offense. Um, I think you know Joe Mixon is going to get you know he's gonna he's gonna dominate the backfield touches, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, I do think that, you know, DeAndre Swift, like he's the type of guy who can come in and like dominate the backfield, like if he shows up. So, yeah. you know, the upside is going to be there. Now, I do want to mention one thing you pointed out. I think one very important thing you pointed out is that the lack of other weapons, right? Mm-hmm. And historically, when you see um, a lot of vacated targets from high-end guys who aren't there anymore, those targets go to the running backs. 
It happens all the time. Totally knew that. <laughs> so, <laughs> had that all right, all right. Remember how we, we were talking about we were going to talk a lot about DeAndre Swift this year, this yeah. offseason? Um, it's already starting. The, the situation isn't as good, but we're still talking a lot about him. Um, okay, moving on uh, to your, your team, the Patriots. Cam Newton, John Smith, Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. Yes. All signing to the Patriots. Yes. Um, and it's like, all right, Cam, you want weapons? You got some weapons, <laughs> especially at tight end. Um, now, I personally don't think like Kendrick Bourne and Aguilar are going to be fantasy relevant. Like, I really no. don't. Like, I don't think Cam has an accurate enough deep ball to make Aguilar relevant. Yeah. And I don't think Belichick is going to give Aguilar that slot role. Like, they still have Edelman. And I think next in line for that would be Kendrick Bourne. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, now I think it's going to be these tight ends running the show, right? Do you think both of them can be top 12 next year? It's tricky, right? But like, I don't want to rule out. And a lot of people say, "Oh, it's Cam," but like, this is the Patriots. This is Bill Belichick. This is how he wants to run his offense. I mean, is there a world where if Cam Newton throws the ball 25, 30 times a game, that each of these guys could see seven or eight targets? I mean, I think that's very, very possible. And Jonu Smith, I think they're going to use him in a lot of creative ways. And um, Hunter Henry is going to be out there blocking. So. I, I just see, and right now they don't have a really good running back to like run the offense through. So I think this is going to be you know, Hunter Henry, John New Smith, the whole entire offense. And like I said, even if he throws the ball 20 times, who's to say those two tight ends will combine for like 13 or 14 of those targets. And that's very, very possible. And if Cam's throwing short, which he's going to be with these tight ends, and especially in the red zone, that's where they're going to do most of their work. So as a Patriots fan, very confused. I'm very, very confused because I, I had told you, I was like, Bill Belichick very much admires Hunter Henry. I think they're going to go out and get him. And they did. But I didn't expect them to double down and get John U. Smith as well, which really threw me off. So I, uh, as a Patriots fan, I'm happy because I like the weapons. As a fantasy football fan, I kind of like to see Hunter Henry in like a situation where he could have been a top five, top 10 tight end. And John U. Smith, e- either or, but. I don't know. Either way, I think they're going to both be valuable. It's just going to be so hard to try and draft these guys. I mean, they're both probably going to go after round 10. And it's like, which one do you take a shot on? And I will say just off the top of my head, I do like Hunter Henry better. Oh, well, I like Janu better. I think between those two guys, I think Janu Smith has more upside only because his his like after the catch ability, you know, Um, I I, I, I see him more as a big play guy. I, I see that too, but I see, Hunter Henry as the move the sticks volume type of guy. I right. see Hunter Henry as like, okay, we're going to run our offense through him. And then there's going to be specific play designs for a guy like Jonu Smith. <laughs> so I see Jonu as that secondary, like, okay, we're going to use Hunter Henry in every down. Let's throw Jonu in there and get him this play. Or we're going to run Jonu out of the backfield. We're going to do this and whatever. But I think Hunter Henry, because of his blocking ability, not to say that, um, John who can't block, but just like Hunter Henry is very good at it. So I think Hunter Henry is going to be in for 80, 70% of the snaps. And then John who's going to filter in like 60, whatever. And um, they're, they'll run a ton of tight end sets, but it'll be interesting. I, I still think yeah. Hunter Henry takes the cake for me. It is going to be interesting, man. There's so many factors here, right? And it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be tough to decide which of these two are going to be the main guy. So like, or, or will both of them be awesome, right? It's, it's possible. Yeah. John Smith, to me, is the guy who has more upside. But, you know, it's 
like you know bill belichick's like he's the next level right like he's he's smart and i was thinking about this and you know it's tough as a defense to defend two tight ends right like cool you have an all-star all-pro corner that's cool leave him on the outside you know what i'm saying like it's just like you think about it and it's just like this dude is is next level right and, yeah. and Belichick knows that Cam loves targeting the tight end too. Like he saw what Cam did with Greg Olson. So during those years, I think it was 2011 to 2018, and Mike and Michael uh, Floria from from um, I think he's a PFF now. He was at NFL.com. I'm not sure, but he targeted the tight end 24 percent of the time during that span. So like you 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 think like it's possible that they either run a lot of 12 personnel or they run 12 and 11 with like one of these tight ends in the slot. You know they could do something like that, and I think it's going to be very interesting. And if the tight end, if if the weapons remain as is, like I can't see a world that the, the offense does not run through both these tight ends. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even with if, if you have to cover Janu, you have to cover Hunter Henry. You have to worry about Cam being mobile in that backfield, healthy in the second year, and then you have to worry about a guy like Julian Edelman, who's still a playmaker. You have to worry about. Nelson Aguilar, like not someone you really would have to worry about, but these are small names who defenses are not going to draw attention to, right? Right. Like Nelson Aguilar made some big plays last year. So if they put him in the right spot and he's open, that's all it's going to take. And I think this is perfect for Cam too, because it's going to scheme. It's just coverage wise. It's just going to happen. A Jacoby Myers is going to be open. A Nelson Aguilar is going to be open. Edelman's going to be open. Kendrick Bourne. It's going to happen from time to time. And that's what they want. And that's how they're going to pick apart defenses. And then on their own defense, I just have to mention all the upgrades they have. Matthew Judon. Do you see that thing about Kyle Van Oy? Yes, man. They got the comp pick for Van Noy. And I then think they it was got a fourth rounder. A fourth rounder, and they got him back on a cheaper deal. Genius, genius. They're getting Dante Hightower back. JC Jackson's there. Stefan Gilmore's in that backfield. They got Jalen Mills in that secondary. They got some pass rushers. I'm curious how they're going to use Jalen Mills because like he's not a good corner so I'm assuming they're going to use him in some sort of hybrid hybrid well, Patrick hybrid Chung style. did also just retire yeah but Patrick so, Chung was like was good like I'm, I'm curious to see if Belichick can can, can do some things with Jalen yeah Mills. and they got like Kyle Duggar their second round safety last year so they have some pieces they'll move some guys around see what works what doesn't but Right. I'm confident in it. I'm, I'm excited as a Patriots fan. We're back into the playoffs. I'll, I'll right. say it now. All right. So another another player you're a fan of, Corey Davis, signing with the Jets. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, their quarterback – hey, don't disrespect the Jets like that. Their quarterback <laughs> – I saw that. Uh, so their quarterback situation, obviously in flux, right? Okay. I, I think that's an understatement. And, you know, they might go out and, you know, draft the quarterback, sure. Uh, but we, we really have to wait and see on that. Now, I just want to say – that it's important to pay attention, and I'm going to say this all offseason, it's important to pay attention to this group because of the offensive scheme that they're bringing over from San Francisco. Right? Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, they're going to man the outside, Crowder in the slot. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll cut Crowder. Crowder, who knows? They just signed Keelan Cole, by the way. You know, Keelan yeah, Cole played some slot for, Jackson, for Jacksonville. Could be depth, could be returner. Um, but they're also talking with Juju as well. If they do, if they if they do sign, end up signing Juju Crowder is going to be gone because he has zero he has zero uh, one million dead cap something like that, and I think the Jets are paying him ten million this year. But anyway, um, so like from these guys, like you don't want to count them out. Like don't count out Denzel Mims. He has all the tools. He was in a terrible situation. If the situation improves at all, 
I think right now I would buy him low in dynasty as a prospect. There isn't much, not much to like. He broke out early in college. He was drafted early in the second round. Um, so yeah, we have to revisit this situation, especially if the quarterback does change, um, you know, and, and, you know, we'll, I think by camp, we'll kind of figure out who that alpha is in this group. I think it's going to be Corey Davis um, yeah. as of right now. Um, and you're like, when you look at Davis this year, last year, like he did have a kind of a breakout year. Um, he, 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 he was pro football focuses eighth highest graded wide receiver last year. And he was fourth in yards per route run behind Devonte Adams, Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown. So don't sleep on him either. And don't sleep on these guys just because these guys are on the jets. Just a notification. LaMarcus Joyner is signing with the Jets. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not mad at that. I want to see that. I want to see what the contract looks like. Yeah, it, it didn't pop up yet, but yeah. I'll take yeah. Um, Corey Davis. He's someone I'm. I'm mixed on. I want to see again the situation at quarterback. If it's Sam Darnold, then okay. I believe in the system enough to get these wide receivers open to get Corey Davis the ball. But will it be Jamison Crowder? I, I mean, originally, even with um, with Michael Floor, Matt Lafleur's brother, coming in, we saw this as an upgrade for someone like Denzel Mims and a downgrade for someone like Jamison Crowder, just because it's not an Adam Gay system where they're just going to hammer the slot every single play. So uh, already, I think that's a good sign for Corey Davis, and it's just it's really going to boil down to targets. You know, there's yeah. not really much to it. Running back room, they got nothing right now. They have nothing. They haven't added Chris Carson. They haven't added Leonard Fournette. They might have to go through the draft because it doesn't seem like they've been in many talks and uh, many pools to get any of these running backs. They might end up being like a James Conner in a week or two. So I hope not. But I, I, they have that late first round pick as well. Um, yeah. And that might be – they honestly might use an early pick on a running back. It's very possible. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, moving on from the Jets, uh, let's go to Marvin Jones. He signed with the Jaguars. Um, so right now they have DJ Shark and Marvin Jones, uh, most yep. likely starting on the outside. LaVisca Chenault, probably their slot guy. Yep. Um, and that's a pretty nice trio right there for Trevor Lawrence uh, mm-hmm. and Urban Meyer. Um, remember, Keelan Cole signed with the Jets, right? So he's gone. Um, and this is all good for Lawrence in his first year. But it looks like the targets might be a little bit more distributed than you might want with Shark, Jones, and Chenault all deserving yep. of targets, right? Like, I don't believe that Shark is going to command anywhere near an elite target share or target share worth mentioning, um, given the weapons that they have right now. Yeah, and all the talk about Urban Meyer getting his guy and his new Curtis Samuel, um, a lot of people expected that to be LaVisca. And look, with this signing of Marvin Jones, that outside role with DJ Shark and Marvin Jones is going to be a little spotty. I'm sure they're going to have their big games. But as of right now, like ADP wise, I think LaVisca is going to be the guy I'm looking at because if he's going to be playing that slot hybrid role, then he's going to be the guy I want. I mean, DJ Chark and Marvin Jones trying to figure out which one of them are going to go off. If, um, You know, you can look at the matchup. Maybe it's this guy this week. Maybe it's this guy that week. We still don't know what's going to happen with the tight end group. They could draft the tight end early running back wise. It seems like, you know, they got the room figured out there, but. Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking, we're playing the ADP game here. Uh, I just like LaVisca at the best value of the three guys. And I don't even know, LaVisca might be the first one off the board, but I, I think still he like is, him. And like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he is going to be the first one off the off the board. And I think he's going to be, uh, if I had to guess his ADP right now, let's say in June or July, I'm going to say that LaVisca's ADP is going to be somewhere around the sixth round. 
I think the hype is going to grow in him, mm. and I think he's going to be. With, and I think he's once gonna, Trevor's drafted, yeah. Yes, and I think uh, Marvin Jones. I think it's going to be Lavisca in the sixth. This is my prediction for ADP. Lavisca in the sixth, sixth seventh turn. I'm going to say uh, Shark is going to go in the eighth, and I say Marvin Jones is going to go in like the twelfth or thirteenth, something like that. I can see that. That's, that's, that's kind of how I see it. And, <laughs> I see and, that, but you know, and, even and, then, if you're and, get give me Marvin. Seven, like I would give say, me give me Mar- give me Marvin Jones over Shark. Over Shark, yeah. Over, but Lavisca Chenault, six, seven turn. If we know from training camp that he is playing that sort of role for Urban Meyer, you want that. You want yeah. that. Like at that value, you still want that. Like just because yeah. somebody is way cheaper doesn't mean that uh, the fantasy he's going to provide you the type of fantasy upside that someone like Lavisca Chenault can, can, can give you. And he had a great rookie year. Um, so, yeah. you know, I'm definitely looking at Chenault as somebody that I'm, I'm interested in out of this group right now. But you know what? Another thing you have to think about when you're like calculating these ADPs is first of all, this wide receiver room is nuts this year, right? Like the wide receiver values and like the running backs being taken early. I think we're going to find a lot of big name wide receivers going into the, like falling into the fourth and fifth round. Yeah. With that being said, I think if we're looking at the running back, like 20 running backs being taken for the end of round three, I think a guy like LaVisca could follow to the seventh, eighth round. And I think that's fantastic value. Yeah, you know, no, like it's possible. Yeah. And because if you're putting him in the sixth, you'd have to assume he's somewhere within maybe late twenties or early 30 wide receivers. But yeah, we don't even know if I, he's going to be there for some people, you know, he might be a little oh, lower, right. but that doesn't speak 100%. to how bad he is. It just kind of speaks to how deep the position is. So I it might he, end up being think, a situation like that. I think he's going to be end up, end up being drafted as like a top, like 30, 35 wide receiver or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's it's just, you know, some of these guys, you know, they get hyped and then, you know, they get drafted at a place where you're like, well, I hope he hits because I'm definitely yeah. not drafting him at his floor right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, okay. Wolf Fuller signing with the Dolphins. Um, not the most intriguing landing spot for me. Uh, uh, he got a, t- a $10 million contract. Uh, wh- what do you think of this move? Football move. I like this because this is what I imagine, right? <laughs> you bring in Devontae Smith with Will Fuller. And I, w- I don't know if we've really had much time to talk about Devontae Smith yet, but I think he's a guy who would really do well with the – alpha like big play guy on the other side so wolf like a i was i always compared it to like if Devonte smith could go to the texans and then it's kind of like a cooks and smith situation to like where will fuller thrive i think that'd be perfect so having him outside with waller with waller with fuller i think is awesome you have gazeki who still has free range in the slot which i love that so um yeah football move i like this Fantasy-wise, it's going to 100% depend on Tua's development. It's going to depend on if he's going to be accurate enough to get the ball down the field, if they're going to give him the offensive line he needs, time he needs to get the ball down the field, um, if they add any more. Now I'm viewing Will Fuller as a, uh, like, going into the season, Will Fuller is, like, the wide receiver one for this team. I'd view him as a... I don't want to... I don't Maybe like the same area as LaVisca, maybe a little higher. I mean, I'm not crazy about him, like but like three? this, huh, what happened? Like wide receiver three? three? Yeah, but I think the ceiling's still there. I think the Will Fuller ceiling's still there because guess what? What if Tua develops? What if Tua, Tua like 
that that gear turns and he's Tua that we wanted. Then you have a top 10 to 15 guy, um, assuming he could stay healthy without PEDs, which we don't really know the legitimacy of that, if that's really what caused him to stay healthy or whatever. But point being, like, it, it, it's risky. It, it's risky to have uh, Fuller there, and I think he's going to end up being that sixth, seventh-round guy similar to LaVisco. Listen, man, Will Fuller was risky with Deshaun Watson. I, I ain't taking that risk with Tua, bro. <laughs> he wasn't, I mean, I mean like, last year, last year he wasn't that risky. He was hitting on all, he was hitting a lot. Well, no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm talking about pre preseason, like like in the draft. I'm not talking about during the season. During the season, we knew what he was. Yeah. He was healthy, and you're going to start him <laughs> if you have him, right? Um, but before the season, like, you know, drafting him even as like a seventh round pick or whatever he was, it was a risky pick because, you know, you kind of had to, obviously the upside was there. We knew that. But, you know, there were other, you know, I guess relatively safer options maybe like where he was going. Sure. Um, Tua's longest pass last year was for 35 yards. <laughs> Devontae Parker is still there, right? Um, there's going to be competition for targets, right? And, like, you can't forget about our boy Mike Kosicki either. Um, there- and, like, and like because of this move, like, I'm not going to be that bullish on Kosicki anymore, right? Like, or anyone in this offense for that matter, in, in the pass game in particular. I'm just – you know, this move to me, like like you said, better football move than anything else. But I can see a, a situation where uh, the ball is distributed a little bit more than I want when it comes to like a fantasy, you know, from a fantasy perspective. I usually do this deep uh, injury dive right before each season. And last year I did that with uh, fantasy docs, uh, Nathan Nitwa. Great guy. But um, we went into depth on Will Fuller's injuries. And it was kind of like a Keenan Allen type deal where this dude just had a lot of severe like injuries that just couldn't like coincide with each other. Like Keenan Allen had like a ruptured spleen and then like a torn ACL and like stuff that you can't predict. And that's kind of what Will Fuller was for a little while. He had a lot of those type of injuries, which resulted and we've talked about this before after an ACL tear, you're more likely to get those hamstrings. You're more likely to get uh, those uh, soft tissue injuries like that. So that was kind of the Will Fuller deal for a little while. He's healthy this season, this past season. And guess what? He didn't stop the season on an injury. He stopped the season because of a suspension. He's going to be suspended that first game, but he's going to be completely healthy. He's went through the year completely healthy. One, he's going to be completely healthy next year when the season starts. One can argue that sure. he was healthy because of the PEDs he was taking. That was helping and him stay healthy. That's where I'm puzzled. That's where I'm puzzled because if the PEDs helped him get healthy, then – that's help one thing, but another thing too. Help them stay healthy. Help them stay healthy. But naturally, though, and when when describing the PEDs, Will Fuller said it was a supplement he used in the off season to help him recover from his. Uh, I think he had a herniated something, mm-hmm. uh, bulging. Her- I don't know. He had some serious injury that right. ended his year, but he used that in his recovery process. It wasn't something he used through the season. Right. And and they caught him. And it's and it sucks because like I I want him to stay healthy. He's such an exciting player. He yeah. gets open and like he makes plays and he, he was a different type of player last year. The, like the Texans asked him to be that number one and he was his route tree was completely different and he came through. You know, he did a good job, yeah. you know. Um and the Dolphins seemed to believe in him because they gave him a decent contract. Yeah. Um but it, I mean it's only a one year deal, but and it's only because of that PED situation. If that PED situation never happened, like like dude would be you cashing know, in 18 yep. mil 100 100 all right moving on uh gerald everett 
signing with the Seahawks um, to a one-year deal. Shane Waldron, yes. right, who is the current Seahawks offensive coordinator, was with Gerald Everett in, a, in L.A. as the Rams passing game coordinator. So he's familiar with Everett. Um, it looks like Everett might step in front of Will Disley as their tight end one. Uh, keep in mind the Rams were fine, you know, rotating two tight ends, right, uh, between him and Higby. So yeah. that's something we have to keep an eye on. Um, like, I'm not drafting Everett as a late-round tight end right now. But I'm definitely keeping an eye on his snap count and route percentage, that sort of thing, in week one to see if I can try to grab him off waivers or something like that. And he's a guy who we've talked about for a while has the talent. Yes. You know, like if he had the opportunity to be the guy um, for a team that, I mean, he could end up being like a tight end one. So if we're going to have truly a more balanced offense, right, outside of DK Metcalf, outside of Tyler Lockett, and Russell Wilson with a touchdowns he throws he can very very well support a tight end on top of all that but i just pulled up gerald everett's metrics right here i mean 88th percentiles 40 yard dash 93rd percentile on speed like uh 86 percentile catch radius like this guy has all the measurables that you want for a primary tight end so the fact that he's getting this opportunity is huge he is going to be a late round value for me he's going to be probably in deeper leagues more so because I think there aren't usually too many tight ends drafted. Usually get to like that 10, whatever, and then it's just kind of a shitstorm. But um, yeah, I still think he can be a value late just because if he happens, I think there's a situation where if they run their offense efficiently, he could end up the year with like eight or nine touchdowns. That's just yeah. a realm of possibilities. And then from that alone, and he's a big play guy, he can get those long catches. So, yeah, I, I think Everett's a late-round value for me for sure, unless they add someone really threatening. They draft the tight end early, which for them would be the late second, and there's no one there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like Everett. I think regardless with Russell Wilson there, he's going to have value. Yeah, no, no, I definitely see that. And, and we've seen Russell Wilson take advantage of the tight end position in the past as well. Absolutely. Um, okay, Carlos, ha- Carlos Hyde signing with the Jaguars. Um if I have James Robinson on my dynasty team, like I'm happy with this move. Like this is relatively good news, I think. Yeah. Um, and th- that's if they stop here, <laughs> right? Like the team, yeah. what, the team was talking about getting him some help. Uh, but if Carlos Hyde is the help he's getting, we don't have to worry too much. Um, like in the past, Hyde has definitely ruined some backfields, but like Robinson, like, you know, he was getting 90% of snaps last year. So if he, this gets reduced to like 70%, you know, he's still going to get passing down volume, right? Carlos Hyde isn't going to come in and take that away from him. Um, but, like, you know, I think with 70% of snaps, Robinson can still be an RB1, right? Um, especially if this offense takes a step forward uh, at quarterback. Now, we'll see if they add or draft anyone else to this backfield. So, but, you know, so far, so good for James Robinson. But that's that, that's the key phrase right there. Yeah, so my initial reaction to... Carlos Hyde was I, I wasn't excited about that but again if they're gonna add someone that's kind of like the best case scenario because if they're gonna add like someone who's actually gonna eat into his workload like they could have easily gone with like a not Leonard Fournette but like maybe like a Le'Veon Bell someone who could have threatened his uh, receiving load right. um, that would have been a lot worse so I think Carlos Hyde he's familiar with the Urban Meyer system and for the longest time, dude, look, I was on the board like, okay, James Robinson, he, he had a great year, but he's not Urban Meyer's guy. He wasn't really anyone's guy. He was undrafted. 
but in a new system, he might want to bring in someone who he wants. He may not want to lean on a guy like James Robinson. They might just want to bring someone else because who knows if that was a fluke. I mean, he went undrafted for a reason. So I was on that boat for a while, but having Carlos Hyde there, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I have mixed feelings about this. Where, where do you have James Robinson ranks now? I think I have him like around RB15, something like that. We, we had him around that range, yeah. RB15. Has he gone up or down? Um, I'll move him up a little bit. I'll move him to like, so if, if we go, let's say we go into the season with James Robinson and Carlos Hyde as their backfield. Yeah. I'll probably find a way to move him up to like RB12 or RB11. So who would you rather have, Swift or Robinson? As of right now, Robinson. If the season started today, I'll go with Robinson. The offense is going to be better. They have better weapons. They have a better quarterback. They have a better system. I'm going with him. Mixon or Robinson? Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, Robinson. Ooh, I'm still on Mixon. Robinson. But... Yeah, I mean it's close. I mean I'm guessing there'll be like a couple spots away from each other. We'll see. Yeah. I mean Mixon, you know, he has his his pros as well. So that's a close one. That's a good question. Now, so I, I'm going to read off the yeah. next one here because I are sure. you better going to the next one? I was going to, but yeah, go ahead. I want to intro this. So <laughs> sure. Marlon Mack re-signed with the Colts for like $2 million. And everybody is freaking out. There goes JT. There goes his value. Why? Why do people think Marlon Mack is such a threat? Because he had one decent season behind a great offensive line. He's coming off a torn ACL. He's not. I, he's going to be the third running back on this team. Achilles. Achilles. Even worse. <laughs> Even worse. I, I just don't see Marlon Mack as a threat by any means to Jonathan Taylor. If anything, to me, it just shows how valuable this running game is. And honestly, it just shows what lack of interest Marlon Mack had from the rest of the league to be a potential starter. Because it's going to be JT. It's going to be Naheem Hines. Marlon Mack is going to be that change of pace guy like Jordan Wilkins was. for part. And Jordan Wilkins ended up with 300 yards on the ground. And that was with JT as a rookie. So... <laughs> I mean, look, Marlon Mack didn't really have much interest around the league. He came back for $2 million. If he went to Atlanta, he could have been the uh, de facto starter and could have, you know, if they offered him three mil, but no, he he didn't have that type of interest. So he's got the offensive line. And what that tells me is that the Colts really, really, really want to rely on that run game because if JT goes down, they don't trust a guy like Jordan Wilkins to carry the load. And they shouldn't because he's not that good. But Marlon Mack is someone who's gone in there and done a decent job. So to me, that just speaks of they want to secure that ground game. And to me, it doesn't say they're threatening JT's workload. That's just, right. that's the boat I'm in. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I think there was, there was probably no team willing to sign Marlon Mack at this point of the offseason yep. besides the Colts. I think with other teams, they needed him to be cleared first before they would sign him. You know what I'm saying? Like, Marlon Mack was like, okay, I'll stay with the Colts. They offered me a contract right now. I'm going to stay with them, right? Um, I think with other teams, like, could he have gotten more money? I think he could have, honestly. But he would have to wait until training camp. I would think he would have had to wait a little bit because he's not going to be ready until training camp. But the Colts put a, put a contract in front of him right now. You know what I mean? You know, so, like, it's one of those things where, like, if he waited until camp, could he have gotten four or five million? Maybe. If, if he was able to go through a workout, you know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't have yeah. to go through a workout right now. Um, so he's like, yeah, I'm going to sign that deal. So um, so for me, like, Jonathan Taylor was already someone, and we talked about this before, that I was kind of fading at his price 
in redraft, like despite how I love the guy, I love the guy's talent, right? But now with Mac back, like I think his price is going to drop. So I'm curious to see where his price drops. Um, and I was avoiding him before, and now I want to see how much um, that price drops. Like I was okay drafting him. I wasn't okay drafting him in the fourth round last year because of the presence of Mac and Naheem Hines. But this year, like Mac is coming off the Achilles injury, not quite the same thing. Um, now, it is very possible still that Mac is going to be involved and they use all three backs. Um, and I want to hear how Mac is doing in camp. I think that's very important. Like you said, the fact that this is a $2 million contract tells me like there's not much interest around the league, but you know, and it's probably because of the injury, but if Mac looks good in camp, if he makes the team, right. We don't know if he's going to make the team yet. Yeah, right? If he makes the team, uh, Taylor's upside is unfortunately still limited, right. Even because like it would, even more than it was with Naheem Hines, right? Like Naheem Hines, like, you know, he was going to take some snaps away. But if what if Mac takes like 20% of snaps? Like what if if Marlon Mack has 20% of snaps, averages 20% of snaps per game, like it's like, well, like why? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I feel like Frank Reich is someone to do that. It's like, you know, Jonathan Taylor sees like, 45% of snaps. Naheem Hines sees, sees like 25% of snaps. That's 70, 70, 70% right there, right? And Marlon Mack could potentially get the rest. You know, I'm hoping for like a 55, 25, 20 split maybe. But it sucks because you would just want to see Jonathan Taylor get that full workload, man. Uh, I just, I hope I, I hope we see it soon. And I hope this doesn't turn into uh, a Josh Jacobs situation. And, and I don't think it's going to. I think Naheem Hines will eventually leave in free agency after this season. Um, and I think JT is going to be unlocked. Like Josh Jacobs, like you had no idea what kind of prospect he was going to be coming into the, the league because he didn't have that type of workload in college. You have no idea, right? But JT is a different story. We know that he can handle a, a, a bell cow role. We, we know he can do it. Yeah. All right. I'm done with that rant. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Going into a couple of uh, uh, older guys at wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders signing with the bills um i I think he's a decent replacement for john brown like i'm not sure if sanders will stay healthy all year he just turned 34 um by the way i also turned 34 um recently i just turned 23 Um, yeah there you go can you believe that me and joe are doing a podcast together we're more than 10 years apart that's insane man you know know, but what last week when i recorded by myself that was my birthday get out of here and and didn't we record on my birthday a couple weeks prior Wait, so last week was your birthday on, on Wednesday? Yeah. Dude, happy birthday, man. It was <laughs> a Thursday. No that's when I recorded the Thursday. Oh, you yeah, that's crazy. Happy birthday, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we got we, we gotta get together soon. This this pandemic is, <laughs> is is too much already. Did you get your first vaccine yet or not yet? No, I've been trying, oh. but we'll oh, okay. we'll talk about that after. All right, cool, cool. I'll get because the, you know the goods. If, the if goods. you were 23 years old and you got your vaccine, people would be pissed, bro. Uh, I'm <laughs> no. obese. I'm obese. <laughs> All right, so okay, so like Okay, so obviously they signed Emmanuel Sanders. But either way, I think, like, don't sleep on Cole Beasley. I think we should still invest in Cole, Be- Cole Beasley later in drafts, right? Um, like, he, look at his stats last year, and you guys would be surprised. Yeah. Um, every time I look at it oh, again, I'm like, okay, wow. Okay, this is pretty good, actually. Um, and, and this might stay, like, this signing from, from you know, of Emmanuel Sanders might make people stay away from Beasley, but I would still buy here in redraft. He's going to be cheap. Uh, Gabriel Davis, like he, in, I think he's still a buy here because he's going to be super cheap, right? Like Sanders kind of stepped in front of him on the depth chart initially, I think. But if Sanders can stay healthy or if he isn't effective, uh, Davis is going to be on the field a lot, right? He had a sneaky good rookie season. He scored yeah. five touchdowns in the second half of the year. Uh, he had six games over 65 yards. 
Uh, he had an 85 yard playoff game. He only played 54 percent of snaps. Um, second, you know, pass heaviest team in the league. Um, am I interested in Sanders? Not really. Like, you know, he can definitely pay off in the games he's healthy for. Like, so I'm okay. Like, you might get a handful of games from him, but like, you'll never know when to start him. Um, I'm not going to be investing him in him this year, even on this offense, even with his route running. He's one of my favorite players in the league, but at this point, I'm not buying. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat. I'm not really worried for Gabriel Davis. I mean, Sanders just turned 34 years old, and he has still looked pretty good. But I think this is a situation where he can kind of take a backseat, be a veteran presence for that wide receiver group, and go to a team that can potentially win a Super Bowl because that's something he also really, really wants. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't view him as too much of a threat. Because I feel like even if it was, let's say if it was John Brown who was still there, I think I'd still view Gabriel Davis as a late round sleeper. Right? Yeah. I mean, would you be in that same boat of saying Gabriel Davis could um, easily be a late round sleeper? I feel like John Brown has less of a chance of like getting hurt <laughs> than Emmanuel. Like, if I had to put the over on, under on like the games these guys play, like I would definitely lean in the favor of John Brown. You know, like that's interesting because John Brown has missed a lot of games. <laughs> I know, and he, he has, he has, but I was still like go for John Brown. I guess like he's like four years younger than him, you yeah. know, and I feel like you know it could potentially happen. Um, but so let's go right into it. John Brown signed with the Raiders. Um, hey. And, and, and you know what, man? Like, listen, if I have to choose between those these two guys, I'll go, I'll go with John Brown, you know, and between John Brown and Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I would, I would, that's, and because but that's we, what the uh waivers are gonna look like week one. It's going to be the top guys. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Like, so who who is going to be the the Raiders' possession receiver? You know what I'm saying? Like, Darren obviously, Waller. yeah, no, obviously they have Darren Waller, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Brown has shown that he can be a deep threat, but his route running makes him a viable possession guy as well. And he's shown that in Buffalo, right? Like over the past yeah. couple of seasons, like he's had he's running routes that kind of like you know are more of a possession possession type of routes. Um, <laughs> And I think that in the weeks that he does play like a full complement of snaps, I think he could be, he could give you wide receiver three numbers, right? Like Darren Waller is the guy there. You have Henry Ruggs as a deep threat. You have Brian Edwards, who, by the way, like I'm still high on him from a dynasty perspective. I think you should buy low. Uh, he checks a lot of big boxes, like when it comes to prospects being viable fantasy assets coming into the NFL. Uh, okay. Let's hope he can stay healthy. He had issues staying healthy last year. Uh, but it seems to me like as of right now, you know, John Brown is moving ahead of Edwards on the yeah. depth chart. Uh, I think Hunter Renfro probably still mans the slot. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, I think while Brown is healthy, he kind of fits a role that the Raiders were missing last year, uh, which is why I think there can be some production there. Yeah, but still not a guy I'm drafting. You know, yeah. if he no, goes I, off, I it's going to be like a – when is he going to go off? I think the only receiver or, or will this... he go off? Like I don't see him going off. Like like you said, yeah. like the upside isn't really there, right? Like a, like a like a seventy yard touch, touchdown catch, like two or three times a year. Like you know, it, see, I, I view him differently. Like I view him like you know, him going off to me is like six catches for like eighty four yards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's like wide receiver three status. You I know see like, like two catches, seventy yards, and a touchdown. Oh, okay. See, like I, I view John Brown very differently at this point of his career. You know, yeah, like I if you look that. at what he was, if you look at what he was doing with uh, Josh Allen before Stefan Diggs got there, that's the type you know, of guy he was. Yeah. That's the kind of guy he was. You know, and I feel like like Derek yeah. Carr is kind of missing that type of dude right now. Unless Brian he, Edwards can 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 move into that role, and I think Brian Edwards was drafted to be that guy. But he, you know, he's kind of in the Denzel Mims 
uh, you know, area right now where like, you know, you hope that they take a big, a, a big, a big leap. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the only Raiders wide receiver I'm interested in drafting is Henry Ruggs based on what his ADP is going to be, because my expectations are not high, but there's still that intrigue of like, okay, they drafted him highly. Maybe he does show up in his second year. And if he does, John Gruden really wants to use him. I mean, he picked this guy over Jerry Judy and CD lamb. So he must have some big plans for him. So I agree. And one, and one big point with him is that Nelson Aguilar is gone. Those deep threats are going to go his way. Yep. You know, so Uh, we'll see. You know, like like you, you don't have to worry about who those deep passes are going to go to, you know, right now. Um, I don't yeah. think John Brown's there anymore, you know, with respect to those deep balls. Like, and Nelson Aguilar was, like, killing it last year. Okay. Yeah, you know, uh, some of these guys, yeah. they just don't lose their speed, though. I mean, Deshaun right. Jackson, he's, like, in his mid-30s. He's still fast as ever. He played, like, one game last year. Right. He got, like, an 80-yard touchdown. So, I, I, we'll, we'll have to see. But, yeah. that's No, it's true. It's true. Um so, okay, AJ Green, another this is like the 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 senior citizen section of the podcast. AJ Green, <laughs> AJ Green signed with the Cardinals. Uh, you know, we saw him disappear, reappear many times throughout last season. It wasn't yeah. really fantasy relevant. Uh DeAndre Hopkins obviously <laughs> still gonna get his. Don't worry about him. Doesn't yeah. change anything there. Life Fitzgerald is not on the team right now. He's a free agent. Will he retire? I think so, but who knows? Um, I'm more interested in Christian Kirk and, and whether he moves into the slot. And that's yeah. where I think like he would make the most impact, right? And I'm hoping that's what happens with this move. Um, it's possible that AJ Greenman's a slot. Who knows? Um, but if Kirk does move into the slot, I'll be all about him later in drafts. Um, I, I'm not so interested in AJ Green. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's in the downturn of his career. I was surprised uh, with the contract that he got. Like, good for him. Um, yeah. Props to him. He got some guaranteed money. Uh, but like, if honestly, like. If, if Joe Burrow, like he was, Joe Burrow was getting it done with everyone else and he couldn't get it done with AJ Green. Like, I, I don't see a reason why Kyler Murray would make a difference here. Yeah. And I, I think another thing too is like having a DeAndre Hopkins, they were not as creative with him last year as they easily could have been. And they didn't use him in that clear alpha role like they should have. Um, part of that being like, they didn't really have any other threats besides Hopkins as far as down the field. Um, I mean, like Christian Kirk, eh, Larry Fitzgerald at this point in his career, not really. Dan Arnold, not really doing it. Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, no one big that you were looking out for. A.J. Green being a big-bodied receiver and because of his past and how good he was at some point. I mean, five, six years ago, well, maybe four or five, I don't even know on the top of my head, but he, he was considered a top-five wide receiver in the league. Yep. So. As of right now, that big-bodied guy outside of Hopkins, I think this just benefits Hopkins more than anything. I think this is just a situation where you can't leave A.J. Green alone because he is still tall. And assuming he can catch, even though last year he really couldn't, um, he can still come out with some of these red zone targets. So we'll see. I, I think he's going to be like – this is this is when I imagine like a big game for A.J. Green being like a six catches for 84 yards type thing. That's right. what I imagine every once in a while being for A.J. Green – um, but again, like you said, Christian Kirk in the slot is going to be very interesting. And, uh, let me just say rest in peace to Andy Isabella and all <laughs> our hopes and dreams of him someday being something on this offense. He, he might, I mean, like it sucks because he might not be on the team. Like it, it's, it's at that point now where I don't know if the team is invested in developing him, you know, because he did get benched last year. He wasn't active for a bunch of games, healthy scratch. So we'll see how that goes. 
Okay. Uh, now, these aren't huge signings, but it's significant. Uh, Damian Williams was cut. Daryl Williams re-signed. Um, I think not keeping Damian Williams is a good thing yeah. for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, because this could have become a three-man backfield like it was last year, right? Like, no no Lev Bell <laughs> this time around. Uh, now, if you look at the playoff games, uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't play in the championship game or the Super Bowl. So it was basically these two guys, right? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire played on 49% of snaps. injuries. Yeah, he was coming back from a high ankle sprain and a hip injury. Um, he only missed four games, so like you need more time than that to come back. But he wanted to come back for the playoffs, right? Um, but Darrell Williams, he played the rest of those snaps. So it was basically a 50-50 share for the most part during the playoffs. Um, but the positive here for CEH is that he was still averaging around 50% of snaps when this was a three-man backfield, right, in the second half of the regular season. And Darrell Williams and Le'Veon Bell were sharing the other 50%, right? Yeah. So next season, I can easily see Edwards Hilaire playing close to, like, 65% of snaps or so. And, we, and when we talk about, like, there was this thing about Patrick Holmes, like, not Patrick Mahomes not targeting the running back. But in those first five games, Edwards Hilaire was – he saw 27 targets, so that's more than five targets a game. That's way, that's more than enough, right? Yeah. Especially if you're getting the work on the passing down, on you know, on on early down. So, uh, and he he only played 70% of snaps in those first five games one time, right? So that's that's good enough in this offense, right? The only reason we were disappointed in in him in Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and we talked about this before, uh, before Bell got there, was because he wasn't scoring, right? Like the dude was averaging more than 21 opportunities per game. And he only scored one touchdown in that span. Like, sure, you can say, oh, he can't score this and that, but like, that's just not how it works, man. Like, these type of things always correct themselves, always. If he continues to get that same type of workload, those touchdowns would have come, and, it w- and they would have come in bunches. So, um, so I'll be taking the discount on him this year. Um, like, if you ask me who I'm drafting first, between, let's say, DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, man. I really am. Like, I think he's in a, in a spot where, like, a lot of people are going to be, you know, low on him. Uh, and he might be drafted, like, as maybe top 17 running back, top 16 running back. Like, and I think that it's at that point, like, you, you're, I think people are like kind of, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit too far at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm at, the, uh, at the point where, like, I haven't redid, haven't redid, haven't redone, haven't, yeah, I, think that's it. I haven't done my rankings since uh, free agency started. So I, yeah. I'm waiting until like, you know, the rest sure. of these guys fill out and then I put them all back up. Um, but one of the things I was worried about for Clyde was that offensive line. I mean, Eric Fisher left and yeah. uh, who's the other guy that left too? It was another offensive lineman. Yeah. The other, the other tackle. Um, but but they're, they're starting to put the pieces back together, though. They are, and that's what I was going to mention. They still have Martinez Rankin as their left tackle, who's uh, one of their – I guess not one of the rookies, but one of the guys that I think they traded from the Texans, who they like. Uh, Joe Tooney came in. He's playing that guard. Kyle Long came out of retirement, and he's yep. playing guard. And if you, don't, if you don't think Kyle Long can do it anymore, <laughs> I mean, just look at uh, – look what Andrew Whitworth is still doing in his late 30s. He's still one right. of the best left tackles in the league, so – and Mike Remmers, they re-signed him back at right tackle. So this offensive line looked like it was falling apart. Now it's starting to come back together. And what they were really lacking is, like, uh, they were really lacking some protection in the middle. And in the Super Bowl, what did I say? Like, when that left tackle was gone, like, they don't really have much else of, of an offensive line. I mean, Eric exactly. Fisher's out. They couldn't get anything done. So 
Uh, it'll be really interesting to see now with that beefed up middle, maybe they spend that first round pick on a center or a better tackle, but yeah, the offensive line went from looking pretty weak to looking pretty strong. So another yeah. reason to like Clyde Edwards Hilaire on top of the fact that Damian Williams is not returning either. And it really makes you think like how much do these players regret opting out? Yeah, man. I mean, Damian Williams was considered like the best offensive player to have opted out last year. Right. And, and- yeah. And you know what's crazy about that situation? He he I think he said that he totally expected to be on the Chiefs this year. Like he had no idea and this came out yeah. of nowhere. Uh it sucks. It sucks. And you know and his situation in particular sucks because the reason why he opted out was because his mom had cancer. Right? And oh. he he was like, "You know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to get a paycheck but also be able to spend time with my mom." Yeah. You know, and it was just like Okay, cool. Like that's like super respectable decision, obviously, and something 100%. that you you would support would support a guy. But then he comes back and he he got cut. You know, hopefully he finds a good landing spot. You know, yeah. somewhere else, or at least gets a contract. He, listen, man, least. he's a great he's a great pass catcher. So, yeah. hey, man, Patriots. What, what about uh, you know what who I was gonna say? I was gonna say the Bucks. Like like what about Maybe. Damian Williams to compliment Ronald Jones? I think it's gonna be James White. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think Leonard we'll Fournette's gonna leave, and then James White's gonna be like, "I'm here, Tom." But who who do you think would be better a better weapon for Tom Brady though, James White or or Damian Williams? James White because of the familiarity, right? Okay, I, I'm <laughs> because of how the chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, but the even, even in another no situation, doubt. I still think James White. But I'm, that's not to say I don't I don't like James, uh, Damian Williams. I'm just a Patriots fan, so I know James White. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. That so. Falcons game, I'll never forget. Yep. Okay. Uh, all right. So we're going to go over some quick hits now. You know, we're going to try to get, get through these as quick as possible uh, because they're just not as, as important. Or, you know, we kind of already knew these situations. Uh, Gus Edwards, he was tendered with a second round pick. Don't underestimate his role in this offense next season. J.K. Dobbins and Edwards can see a 50-50 split. Even if Dobbins, quote unquote, leads this backfield, he might not see enough volume for you to stay happy unless Edwards gets hurt. Especially receiving volume. And he doesn't have to receive volume. Exactly. All right. Philip Lindsay released by the Broncos. Uh, original, yeah. It was surprising. You know, they, they like, they gave him an original round tender and he was undrafted. Meaning they were literally offering Lindsay to other teams. To just go ahead and t- then grab him. Um, but it, listen, it's possible that Melvin Gordon is the three down guy in Denver. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it wasn't really Pat Shermer's style to have a committee the way they did last year. And, and that Shermer was kind of forcing the ball. So Lindsay, because he kind of he played, he was playing well. So and I think that's part of the reason why they didn't keep him. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if they sign anybody else. But it's worth it's worth paying attention to that situation because Melvin Gordon, he just got off in that charge, that DUI charge. Um, they dropped those charges. So you know it doesn't look like a situation where the Broncos are going to cut him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Cook signs for the Chargers. What do you Rick think? Parham. <laughs> yeah, it might be down to the Parham. Uh, you know, I'm assuming Cook becomes a starter. And I like, I think like the de facto starter, like, you know, he's the best tight end we have, so he'll be out right. there kind of deal. But I, that Fantasy still relevant? doesn't discourage me from a guy like Donald Parham, like making a name for himself and becoming the main guy and just Jared Cook, Jared Cook, Jared Goff, Jared Cook being that support guy. Um, but this makes me really excited for Kyle Pitts. Oh, I want you to see- draft Kyle Pitts so bad. Oh, oh you, you, so you're calling it. You think the Chargers are going to take Kyle Pitts? I mean, if you look at the teams like in the top 10, right? Do yeah. any of them like Bengals? Maybe. If you do 
if you say the Eagles, the Giants, I think the Giants might even be 11th. It's a little bit of a stretch because they have Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, they have Dallas Goddard. They may not need a guy like Kyle Pitts unless they want to play him wide receiver. But then again, Eagles could literally just take Jamar Chase. Um, the Panthers might be a good fit for Kyle Pitts. But then again, they have a gaping hole at quarterback, and that's what the pick is going to be used for. So yes, the next team that really makes sense is the Chargers. And they just lost Hunter Henry. And how nice of a weapon would that be for Justin Herbert to develop with? Man, if Kyle Pitts and Justin Herbert together, ooh, ooh wee. Would you call him a top 10 tight end, Kyle Pitts? Like 10th, if he lands with the Chargers. Listen, man. And I, if they land with the Chargers and they cut Mike Williams. Yeah, I'll, I'll draft him as a top 10 guy. Because I'm not a guy who's going to be drafting tight ends in their rookie year at all. But Kyle Pitts is a different kind of guy. He's yeah. a different specimen. He's not a tight end. He's a wide receiver. In a tight end's yeah. body, so yeah, but he's, not he's, like an Evan Ingram situation or like an OJ no, Howard. Like he's like, like a, a premier elite wide receiver. He's like a Calvin Johnson. Yeah, like his body type. I, I hate I hate to use those two words to describe anybody, but like like who else does he remind you of? You know what exactly. I mean? Like he's the type of dude he reminds you of. Okay, so I'm gonna move on from that, so people like aren't as shocked. Um, Robert Tunyon, he got hit with a second round tender. Will Fuller, like I said, you know, didn't go to the Packers and so and they didn't sign anyone else. It's possible that, you know, that he sticks around as a number two option behind Devontae Adams. And if that's the case, he's easily a top six or t- top seven yeah. tight end next year. Uh, Devontae Booker signed by the Giants. He'll be Saquon Barkley's handcuff. He has three down ability. Pass catching is more of his forte, but he'll be the backup while Wayne Gallman looks for another team as a free agent. Tyrod Taylor signed with the Texans on a pretty lucrative deal. So I'm kind of surprised, but yeah, it's possible it's all that incentive based, but yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. That must be it's like case. 2 million guarantee, but he can make up to 10 million if he ends up being the starter. Got it. Got it. Got it. So he's making, two million. Yeah. uh, yeah, you know, it's possible. He's the quarterback in week one, you know, with all that's going on, going on with Deshaun Watson right now, but that, that team would be a, a real shit show if that were the case. Um, Malcolm Brown signed with the Dolphins. That leaves the door open for Cam Akers securing the passing down role for the Rams. And we know he is the main back on early down. So, you know, while I do think Dal Henderson will play a compliment role, I think Akers has at least, you know, 70% of his snaps to his name. Uh, So there, and there's upside for more, right? Uh, Let me ask you, let me ask you this. Um, Does this affect Miles Gaskin for you? And do you think the Dolphins continue to add to the backfield? Yeah, I think they do. I think the Dolphins have been, they were in on Aaron Jones. They've been in on some of these big name running backs. I, I think they're going to end up drafting a guy early. I think they're going to end up drafting. A, they have a lot of early draft picks. They can end up drafting a Najee Harris, or Travis Etienne, and they just might end up rolling with someone like that. But if they go into the year with Miles Gaskin and Malcolm Brown, I see Malcolm Brown as like a depth guy. I don't yeah. view him as much of a threat, a capable depth guy, I will say. So I'd still say Miles Gaskin is the 1A of this backfield, at least. Right, right. Okay, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Mark Ingram, probably the 1C uh, in, in Houston, even though there's, there is no 1B right now. But I don't, I don't think Ingram is going to be much of a – have a role, like, outside of spelling David Somehow Johnson. Somehow David per- Johnson is the 1B, Mark Ingram is the 1C, and there's just no 1A. <laughs> just- you know, it's funny, man. Like, I, I think, like, if anything, this makes David Johnson one of the few war- few workhorses next year. Like, it, it's – and this, you know, it really comes out – Comes down to like, is Deshaun Watson gonna be gonna be their quarterback, right? Like, like that that matters more than Mark Ingram signing with the Texans. Yeah. Um, Jameis Winston back with the Saints on a one year deal. Uh, everyone close to this situation sees Jameis as the starter next year. We'll see. Um, 
My, Michael Thomas, like I think his target share is locked up. I think we should also keep an eye out for Traquan Smith. If Jameis Winston is the guy, we know he likes to take his shots downfield. Like Breeze would not and could not, unfortunately. No Emmanuel Sanders, no Jared Cook. They have some targets vacated that need to go elsewhere. And when they say everybody close to the situation, they mean everybody but Sean Payton. <laughs> Sean Payton's like, no, guys, I'm still going my guy, Taysom Hill. Um, uh, Texans are signing Dante Moncrief. Dante Moncrief is still happening, huh? Yeah, That's I guess amazing. so. That's amazing. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Rudolph. He went to the Giants already. The offense is a hot mess. Like, I have no idea who's going to be the guy there. Um, Keelan Cole <laughs> to the Jets. We mentioned him and Brashad Perriman signed with the Lions. Quintez Cephas, you know, he was a guy that, you know, you got to pay attention to. I think regardless, you got to stay, still pay attention to. Um, pay attention to who's making waves in training camp, if anyone, in this wide receiver room for the, tech, for the, uh, for the Lions. Uh, did we miss anybody? Anybody signed within the last half an hour, an hour that we didn't look at? Um, I think we got everything. We got most. We, if we missed anybody, it was probably something not too important. Rashad so, Perryman? Yeah, we just mentioned we we just mentioned him signing with the Lions, but that, I think that was it. Yeah, um, about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm glad we got through it, man. I, I wasn't too bad. That was pretty good. I think we did it in a timely manner. We went through all the moves. Um, there's obviously still more to come. Kenny Galladay isn't anywhere. Juju. Yep. Um, Chris Carson. Let's let's uh, put our predictions. Let's put our predictions to some of the guys that are left, and this way we can come back next week and see what to hit on. So I'll say okay, sure. Fournette, Carson, Connor. I'll just say those, and we'll say James White. We'll put James White in that category. Fournette, sure. Carson, Connor, James White, Galladay, Juju, T.Y., and then uh, tight end Zach Ertz because he's going to be gone soon, I think. So okay. let's start with Fournette. I think All Fournette's right. going to go to Seattle. I'm going to say Seattle too. <laughs> that's literally what I'm going to say too. It's, that's exactly where I was going to go. Um, Chris Carson? Yeah, I think that's a good fit. I think Chris, Chris Carson is going to the Patriots, and I hate it. But oh, I think okay. he is. That's what all the rumors I've seen him going to the Patriots. I'm going to say Steelers. Okay. Okay. James Conner. At this point. Um, James the Jets. Conner. I think the Jets just as a filler. Oh, my God. I really hope not. Because um, they I have think... no one. They can't go into the season with no I think, one. It would have I, been I'm, I'm, I'm going right. to say the Bills. <laughs> okay. I can see that, too. I think it's just going to be the Jets because they need someone. Jets yeah. or Arizona. Right. Not Arizona. I'm sorry. Uh, or Atlanta. Okay. okay, Kenny Galladay. Ravens. What, Ravens? Yeah. The three teams in on him right now are the Bengals, the Bears, um, the Bengals, the Bears, and the Giants. Those are the only three teams that are in on him right now. Oh, really? And, and I think those are the only teams that, are, ha, that he had a visit with or was going yeah, to Yeah, he already with, right? visited the Bears. He's visiting with the Giants today. I'm going to say right. the Giants, and I hate that say, spot. I'm going to say the Giants, too. It sucks. It sucks. I think either the Giants or he's going to sign with the Bears and they're going to trade Allen Robinson. One I'm going to say two. that. I'm going to say he signs with the Bears and they yeah. trade Allen Robinson because okay. because Allen Robinson signed his deal. Like, he did. why is he signing right now? Is yeah. it because he knows that this that trade is going to happen? Maybe. And maybe they make that sign. Ooh, I don't know. I'm still going to say New York. Uh, Juju at this point. Jets. You think the Jets? I think so. I think they signed Juju and they, they released Crowder. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, Zach Ertz. <laughs> Man, what are I mean? Colts. Are teams are teams actually going to get get rid of him? Like, I mean, I'm sorry. Are teams are teams actually going to trade for him? Well, the thing yeah. is, I, I think the Colts they had trade interest a while ago, but since they traded for Wentz, I think what they're going to do is wait for the Eagles to give up and drop him, and then just yeah. pick him up. 
that's possible. Um, he's going to reunite with Carson Wentz. They need a tight end because all of their tight ends are free agents. <laughs> and I think I mean, T.Y. The- goes back to the Colts as well. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have no idea, dude. I'll go Colts too. Because, like, I, I don't even see a team like, you know, like, oh, man, I want to give, like, a draft pick up for Zach Ertz, you know? I just don't yeah. see it. All right. All right. I think that's it. I think that yeah. wraps it up, guys. Um, Really appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much for, for supporting. Like, just by listening to this podcast and, like, <laughs> up until the end, like, you guys support us a ton. So we really appreciate it. Uh, If you could subscribe, that would be amazing. If you can leave a review, that would be even better even so better. we we really appreciate you guys thanks for listening uh we're gonna come with more free agency stuff next friday review everything that happened from mm-hmm. now until then hopefully uh, we have then, the answers by then yeah hopefully we have all of them so we'll see how that goes uh but thanks a lot guys um i'm for uh, i'm for us uh, i'm for us i am for us and that's you for us um you can catch me at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Joe is I remember I didn't do this in a week, so I'm a little like two weeks, <laughs> I'm a little rusty. A little uh, Joe is uh, at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. So go check us check us out there. Send us some DMs. Let me let us know what you think. If you have any feedback, it's more than welcome. Uh, yeah. just hit just hit us up. And before um, you leave, if you're still listening, comment pancake on one of our videos. Pancake. Just so we know who the, the OGs are, who the pancake. ones who stay till the end are. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. See you later. See you.